Hello and welcome to the Rigori Podcast, the show that's about as welcome as a last-minute Pedro Heder at Parkhead. I'm Giancarlo Rinaldi, basking in the glory of an amazing Fiorentina victory, and incredibly, I'm joined by my cousin, who's doing the same thing. Marco, how are you? Yes, this uh, we talked before, this could be the happiest podcast we've ever recorded. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, an incredible alignment of the stars. We're recording this Sunday night and I'm just scraping myself off the ceiling after Fiorentina destroyed Napoli. I say that's a slight exaggeration, but won convincingly at the Stadio Maradona. 3-1 victory. Um, Took a lead through an early goal. I think a deserved lead and then were pegged back. A mistake um, that that let Victor Ozymen in to win a penalty and then convert a penalty, which he'll have been pleased with. But Fiorentina stayed strong. And that that man, the evergreen Giacomo Bonaventura, fresh from his Italy call-up, put them ahead. And Nico Gonzalez sealed the win. Uh, uh, Obviously, I would say a deserved win, Marco, but you slightly... Um, more impartial than I am, a, a deserved victory for Fiorentina, would you say? Yeah, no, absolutely. It was a, it was a great game. Um, no, we shouldn't do this, but you know, you compare it to the big game in England today, which was pretty dreadful. Um, the the Arsenal Man City game. Uh, this one was end to end. Both teams had chances, but I do think that Fiorentina deserved to win. Um, they they just looked more incisive, I think, and then. Rudy Garcia made his usual strange decisions to take Ozyman off near the end and, and things like that. So I don't know quite what he was thinking with that. No, the the whole thing was surprising to me. So that second half, I think, if you were a Napoli fan, uh, you'd be you'd be beating him with a big stick because, I mean, it certainly, as a Fiorentina follower, it eased my strain because he took off Politano, who looked dangerous, to bring on Cajust, who didn't. And then, as you say, he dropped off... You know, arguably three of Napoli's best players, Ozymen, Zelensky and Lobotka, took them off and really they, they, they looked less and less effective. And as you're watching one of the world's best strikers, you know, kicking his heels on the sideline, I mean, he was almost a one-man press. Yeah. If I was a one-man press, that, that would worry me as well if I was a Napoli fan that, you know, it was only kind of through his force of will that Napoli got back into the game, really. You know, it was a, an error from... I've sung the praises of uh, young Parisi, but he, he chested the ball short. I thought overall he had a good game. Yeah, I think I thought, he did o- well, I yeah. thought overall Coyote had mm-hmm. a good game too, other than one, one, one bad throw-in, although Milenkovic played his part in that. And once he got totally skinned by Kvaratskhelia. But, you know, given that he's 19 and Kvaratskhelia last season looked like one of the best players in the world, didn't think that was a disaster. Result that catapults Fiorentina up the table to level with boring, boring UV, um, and, and you know, leaves Napoli a bit outside the, the Champions League spot. So certainly work to be work to be done there as we go into the international break. And certainly I'd expect Rudy Garcia to come under, a, well, expect him to get a fair bit of criticism. It looked like he'd sorted things out. They were scoring goals, but that, this was definitely a, a step backward for, for them. And as I say, as a Fiorentina supporter, just a, you know, a, a real... A, a strong character performance, I think, after some that, you know, were, were slightly less so. It was a continuation, in a way, of their midweek um, 
escapades against Ferenc Varos where they went 2-0 down and then roared back to 2-all and, and really could have won that game as well. Um, it's surprising that he left Nico Gonzalez out the starting lineup, but that proved to be a, a smart move because he came on and scored the, the third goal in that and that clinched. But it really was, you know, it was a, a, an astonishing performance and, and Fiorentina, as I say, fans of Fiorentina, such as myself, absolutely, absolutely delighted. But it was a big weekend of games all around and we saw some interesting events around the country as well. Most notably, I think, in the in the Genoa Milan game, yeah. where we ended up with the. I mean, how did how did you rate Olivier Giroud's performance in goal? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he did well. He made a he made a vital intervention at the end there. So, yeah, it's always entertaining to see an outfield player have to go in goals, even more so when they actually have to get involved, and he did. So, yeah, it, he did well. He did what he had to do. He kept his team. He gave his helped his team get the win. Um, there was some. Certainly, I saw from the, the the Genoa side of things they were complaining about the actual goal. Um, was there handball or not? It, I, I, it's a difficult one. It did look to me like it probably did hit Pulisic's upper I, arm, but it, I thought it did. Yeah, but. but I mean, I can sort of. It, certainly, the angle I saw it was one of these ones. Did it hit his chest or did it hit his arm? But then when you saw. It more zoomed in. It did look like it. he'd sort of cushioned it down with his arm. So I can understand them feeling hard done by. I thought that was. I thought that was. But I mean, I like the the general president said Italy's a country where uh, David plays Goliath and Goliath always wins. You know, it, it, it yeah. did. I mean, and as the Rigori podcast, the 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 podcast of the underdog brackets yeah. trademark. Um, you know, I I felt if it had been the other way. I mean, Milan fans are often. Yeah. chirping on about how hard done by they are by VAR and referees but in that game I think it would have been the other way around um, if Genoa had scored a goal like that I think they would have been reaching I mean I don't the thing is uh, there's two issues I suppose should it have been it was such a lovely technical gesture that I, I mean I'm almost happy for the goal to stand you know but it seems that uh, allegedly anyway any handball be it accidental be it whatever in the you know in the final action yeah. of a goal should be disallowed. So, you know, that was that. Then, I mean, the, the second party's gripe was uh, Mike Magnon's uh, kind of, dis- well, he called it, what did he call it? Uh, uh, an assassination attempt, I think, <laughs> on, on Ekuban, which was, I think that was a bit extreme. But it did, for those of us long enough in the tooth to remember Harold Schumacher in the 1982 yeah. World Cup cleaning out uh, Batistone, I think it was, for, for France. It was... It was a dangerous one. I mean, he did get his head to it, but he also got his knee to. You know, mm. it could have been. Luckily, it wasn't in the, the the boy's head, but it was a it was a pretty dangerous one. I mean, I don't think you know. I don't think Magnon had any the same vicious intent that you no. know you could see. You could see looking back at Schumacher, you could see in his eyes that he was going to take out. Whereas I think that was a you know there was genuine determination, but it was it was dangerous and. It, it does then leave, I think, Milan without Mignon and Theo Hernandez for the upcoming game with Juventus. So you know that was a that was a blow to them. But a general fan, but it, it, always entertaining, as you see. And I mean, actually, the game finished with two outfield players in goals because then Genoa's goalkeeper got sent off for a killer 
tackle, not really. It was he, he lunged in late in the game, and for a few seconds anyway, we had two um, outfield players in goal. So eventful stuff. And, and but the, the overall outcome of that, incredibly, is that Milan sit on top of the league or joint top of the league anyway, despite having taken that scalping in the derby, and that that's because Inter. Um, managed to yeah. throw away a two-goal lead. You know, I mean, an, an, an absolute worldie from Lautaro yeah, Martinez as well. But then he kind of messed things up. Our man, Lewis Ferguson, really right at the centre of the Bologna recovery there. They're, they're, a, they're a team that loves a draw, Bologna. I, mean, I don't know how many they've racked up now, but he was wrestled to the ground by... Lautaro to to win the penalty and I mean it it, it looked pretty clearly yeah. a penalty it was a pretty foolish um, piece of action and then also provided the assist for Zuxi to equalise Orsolini getting the goal from the penalty spot and now I don't know if you spotted Mark but he's been called up late to the Italy oh, I squad I was going to discuss that with you but we can discuss that later on but yeah Orsolini come in he's been in good form as well and so a 2-2 draw that you know I saw people saying and uh, we weren't immune to this that you know people got a bit carried away with Inter's form at the start of the season saying they were going to kill the championship but they've actually not maybe the the strains of playing Champions League and Serie A. I mean, certainly the way they destroyed Fiorentina, I thought they were going to stroll away with it. But Bologna is a stuffy side. But if you're not, you know, if you're not putting away Bologna and you're not putting away Sassuolo, then, you know, maybe we have got a championship. I'd be surprised if Milan could win it. But, you know, you never know. They surprised me the last time they won it. So they they might well well surprise me again. Not, Not a million miles away from... Milan, and certainly with an uh, an owner or president that would be familiar to Milan fans, Monza, um, and on a bit of a charge after a bad start, I thought this was possibly, you know, the kind of the, the, the overperformance of last season catching up with them, but they've they've clicked again and they absolutely cuffed Salernitana at the weekend. I, I mean, a, a guy who must have been close to an Italy call-up called Pani, scored the opener, he's been in cracking form and then they just went on and battered Salernitana the flip side to that Paolo Souza under severe pressure at Salernitana yeah. and maybe rumours that super people in Zaghi might come in so we could have the brothers in Serie A and, and you know well I mean first of all Marco Monza you know playing some good stuff looking looking good but also would, would super people be the answer to Salernitana's problems do you think? Yeah, no, I, I think Mons have, have progressed pretty well. You know, doing what they need to do in this second season in, in Serie A, it can always be tough to, you know, you have a decent first season, but then it can you, reality can catch up. But they, they seem to be coping quite well. I also wanted to shout out to Vignato scoring the second goal, who I think is a quite an exciting little player. And I don't know, you know, I was surprised that he wasn't called up for the, for the youth teams it is the it is the young one I know there are several brothers but yes yes well that was his a goal in his his debut yeah. well or his first his first start certainly in in Serie A so that yeah that was that's exciting as well and then Piscina 
completing the job. No, they've got a nice and and uh, an old familiar face, Papu Gomez, yeah, being exactly. popping up uh-huh. for them as well. So you know, if you can bring in quality like that, you're certainly, I think, you know, survival's not in doubt, and it's kind of like a a free hit. I think you know they can they can go for it, and you know who knows how high up the table they can get. Yeah, but, but as I say, the the flip side for Salernitana, all this. The, the, the nonsense with Bulaidia not coming back, coming back. He is back now, but it's obviously, you know, there's there's trouble off the pitch, I think, or difficulties off the pitch. And uh, Paulo Souza struggling. You, as I say, people in Zaghi, a man familiar to Venezia fans, what, what, could he, what could he bring to the situation if he comes in? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I thought, you know, Salernitana had a couple of decent results early on. I thought, Again, that they had sort of bedded themselves in and and you know had worked out what it was to be a Serie A team and and get the results they need, but they seem to have gone off the boil a bit. And if Inzaghi comes in, you know he was he obviously had a big impact for Venezia, but he seems to be one of these managers that is better as a Serie B manager than a Serie A manager thus far, anyway, um, and. I just don't know if he would be the right answer for Salernitana right now. I don't, you know, I wish him well. I hope he does do well if if he does take the job. But there's just something about um, his. He doesn't seem. It's sometimes hard to pick up exactly why some managers can do so well in the division below, but just don't seem to be able to cope at all in the, in the top division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there definitely is a, a graduation level. And also, I mean, I thought quite surprisingly not that exciting football for a man that was a goal scorer. I always found his teams not that No, absolutely. I, I was going to say that. I mean, in his first season with Serie B for us, I think it, it was three or four games before we even scored a goal or something like that. So, yeah, he is, strangely, he's quite defensively minded as a manager. So, um, I don't know, maybe that would help Salernitana. They they do still have, you know, I'm a big fan of Kandreva. He's a sort of cult player that seems, one of these players that seems to have blossomed the older he's got. And, uh, yeah, and I know I've had my issues with Salernitana on this podcast before, but they have played some good football. So, um I think they've got a good enough team to survive this season. But, uh, yeah, we'll need to wait and see who's the manager. Absolutely. And, I mean, as I said, we gave away at the start, this is going to be the happiest podcast ever. So let's let's dip down to Serie B and see, you know, the big game of the weekend, undoubtedly, even allowing for our bias, was Venezia against Parma. And, you know, it looked like an absolute humdinger of a game, Mark. I watched the, the highlights and end-to-end stuff, chances at either end, the ball hit coming off the post. I, I, I think a, possibly a controversial decision for you to discuss as well. But, I mean, how did you? How was your heart rate through that game? <laughs> yeah, it was It was a tense one. I mean, what, I, what pleased me was that from the very start, we tried to match Parma. Um, we started dominating the ball, but they did have a couple of early chances. They looked quite incisive up front and it you know, I could see why they're top of the league. Um and they did hit the post with an with an early chance. But uh, our second half performance was just phenomenal. Um started off brilliantly, Poyan Palo laying off the ball to Buzio who ran through, finished well. Um then and Buzio 
who I want to say man of the match performance. He was everywhere on the pitch. Unfortunately, he also was involved in the penalty that they were given. It was one of these ones that a shot is hit. It's not even really going towards the goal, but it's it hit an arm, his arm. I'm not sure he moved his arm to the ball, but who knows what the handball rule is these days. Um, and they got the penalty, they scored that. But we just responded so well um, to that and and scored not one but two more goals. And the, the third goal was a, a thing of beauty with um, the pass, first-time pass from Poy and Palo, perfectly weighted into the path of Ellertson, who finished it first time into the top of the net. I mean, it was, yeah, it was brilliant. We even then gave, um, Vanoli decided to give Parma a chance by putting Pierini and Johnson up front, um, which effectively ends any chance of us scoring a goal. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it, they did manage to grab a goal in injury time, but it, it never really looked like they were going get to a, get a point from the game in that second half because we just dominated it. And it was so great to see that. I mean, I thought I saw you raving about Buzio's performance here. It did, it did make me wonder who who are you going to sell him to in the January transfer? Well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, there was talk of him leaving last January to Pisa. So, um, I think Vanoli though seems to you know he he's obviously a good man manager. He got the best out of Tesman last season. He seems to be doing the same with Buzio this season. The players seem to be set up. They all really want to play for each other. Poi and Palo yesterday was the assist man rather than the goal scorer, but you know it's a united team, um, and if we can play like that against Parma, then I genuinely think we could beat anyone in this league. Um, but you know, still, still early days with my usual caution. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it, it was great, and we've still got a couple of tough games coming up, and then on paper, there's a, there's a little run of games that should be a bit easier. So. You never know. We'll wait and see where we are at Christmas, but it does look it does look good so far. Shaping up like a big three at the top that we've discussed before, the Parma, Palermo and Venezia. I mean, we mentioned last week, I want to mention them again quickly, just Catanzaro, another yeah. good result mm-hmm. against Stuffy, Sudtirol, 1-0 away. One of the reasons I'm mentioning it is because Pietro Yamello scored an absolute worldie and he was an ex-Fiorentina youth player. And I should mention... For regular podcast listener Chris King, also an ex Pro Vercelli <laughs> legend as well. Um, but they, I mean, because I was looking at the stats, I think they've got the second most goal scored, the highest possession level of any team in Serie B, and also the most shots on target. You know, so for a team that's come up, I think it's after 17 years away from Serie B, they're back up. And, oh, no, and, yeah, they're, know, they're, they're doing definitely really up well. There. They're, they're... And we play them in a couple of games, so that's what I mean, that we've still got a couple of tough yeah, games yeah. coming up. Yeah, I mean, they did take a hauking off Parma, mm-hmm. but, you know, that, that aside, they've, they've come up and really and really made their mark. Oh, one last one last chat, really, we have to think, obviously, coming up, Italy got two very contrasting games, um, Malta... <laughs> Malta in Barry and then England at Wembley. So, you know, one one very difficult one in Barry and then one really easy one at Wembley. Um, the the call-ups, a few things, I suppose, to note. We didn't maybe, I mean, I hinted at it earlier, but um, Giacomo Bonaventura, a, a thoroughly deserved yep. call-up after about three years. Destiny Udoji getting a call-up as well. And as I say, Orsolini getting a late call-up. This because... 
I mean, to me, this I would view this as a blessing. Zakanyi seems to be slightly unfit, and yeah, so right. uh, Providel and Zakanyi have both both dropped out. I don't think they're bothering bringing in another goalkeeper, but they have brought in Orsolini, and uh, above all, probably the headline that will make. I mean this an even more ecstatic podcast is that Chiro, <laughs> Chiro Immobile is not in the in the squad. He's not fully fit. I mean, I think Alvary no, yeah. Tegui and Immobile were not fully fit and so are not in the squad. But, you know, are you starting to see Spalletti's imprint or do you welcome the, the new faces that are in well, there? I do welcome the new faces. I think I think all the players that you mentioned there are going to add. I mean, also, Lini, I'm less convinced about. I do like him as a player. He obviously... You know, he's one of these players. If he was playing for your club, he seems to always give his all and everything like that. But I'm not absolutely convinced about him. But uh, Udoji is brilliant. Um, Bonaventura still has that that class at that level, and I think he could be useful. Probably more as a sub, perhaps, but definitely useful in the squad. I mean, if I was, I said this, I think, to you in a message. But if I was Spalletti, I would be aiming to have. Di Marco and Udoji as my fullbacks and try and get Di Lorenzo uh, maybe as a centre back or something because the, the, the Di Marco and, and Udoji are phenomenal going forward and good defensively as well. So um, it, it it would be a shame. It's a, it's the sort of problem Scotland have, I suppose, of trying to fit so many fullbacks mm-hmm. in their mm-hmm. in their team as well. But you know, Di Lorenzo is still a great player, but. Um, I think you have to, especially on the form that he's on, you have to try and fit Udoji in the team. And what about on that very note, what about, I mean, there's only one, well, obviously Providell dropped out anyway, but only one of the three goalkeepers kept a clean sheet this weekend, and that was Vicario. I mean, is there a case for Donnarumma, an absolute hero of the Euros, but his form, whenever I see, I mean, I don't watch Ligue 1, very much at all, so I don't know, he may be doing great things there, but with Italy, and when I see him in the Champions League, he doesn't look the same goalkeeper, he doesn't have that, uh, he he looked unbeatable, but he looks quite beatable now, whereas Vicario is in great form, is there a case for for dropping Donnarumma out of sight? But I suppose Baletti's hesitation might be that you know, if he does that, then it's very difficult for him to start playing Donnarumma again at, at that point. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's a very tricky one to deal with, I think, because it's not like any other position, is it? You can't... Managers tend not to just swap in and out goalkeepers depending on form and things like that. They, they, they like to have a, a, a fixed number one if they can. Um, so... I don't know. It's a tricky one. Who would you pick? Definitely on form, you'd pick Vicario over Donnarumma, but I suspect we'll still see Donnarumma. Like I, th- I think on experience, yeah. I think I think he might change it against Malta. He might give Vicario a crack, but I think at Wembley against England, it'll almost certainly be Donnarumma. And on the sort of be careful what you wish for, Chiro Immobile out, but Moish Keane back in, yeah, I mean are you, are you happy to see him start up front or who would you start as the as the nine well, out I, I'll of tell him? you who I think he will start is Raspadori but um, mm-hmm. uh, out of those that he's picked I would probably pick um, personally I would go with Skamaka as the, as the number nine even though I'm not absolutely convinced that he's quite there yet but um, yeah 
Keane's a funny one, isn't he? I, I, I still think he's got a lot of potential, but it just whether he's that... Uh, is it his attitude or is that just what people say about him? I don't know, but he, ne- he never seems to quite deliver um, for Italy or, yeah. or Juve. And it would be great if he could. It's puzzling. I'm, I'm just thinking that, like, you know, I mean, Spalletti, one of the things he's most famous for is sort of that falling out with Totti at the mm-hmm. end of his career. And yet he seems to have made it up with all the people that were out of favour. I mean, we've got Zaniolo back. We had Zaccagni back, although yeah. he's uh, injured. And Keane, it's as if he's ready to, you know, kind of wipe the slate clean and be, maybe he's become more understanding, more conciliatory in his old age. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. Could you put, the other option is, could you put Keza or Zaniolo as your number, as your number nine or false nine or something like that? And, and then, Berardi gets a game on the wing as well, so because he's Maybe. in great form as well. So. He is in great form. I mean, that's you know, that's a swallow. Great against the big teams and average against the little teams has, but he's certainly good against everyone. It's hard to. I've still got that mind know, block of his chance that he missed, <laughs> and you and you think, well, you know, there are players that are just. They're they're great for their club. They're not great for the not that he was good for his country. Don't get me wrong, but that was it. Whereas some like Fratesi, not that great for his club, yeah. but seems just great for Italy. You know, just seems a fit for Italy. And you do get players yeah, like that, that do, one yeah. way or another, that are you know that are just they're great club players, but they just can't translate that to Italy. Is it not not that I believe that's hundred percent with Berardi, but maybe just for that. He doesn't deliver that extra mm-hmm. um, X factor that he can deliver for for Sassuolo. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he does. I mean, I wonder if even, as you say, Raspadori as a as a false nine play, you know, wide men round him. I don't, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. He'll certainly experiment, I think, against Malta and then it'll be a more tried and tested. Surprised to see Biragi in the squad, not to, not to be downbeat about my own club's player, but he did have a terrible game against Ferenc Varos and was didn't look he didn't look fully fit, I don't think. So I'd be worried if he was in the starting lineup, certainly against certainly against England. But we shall see what happens. But we won't be around to discuss that because we take that as a, an international break. We also take as our break yes, on the Rigori podcast. And you know, this level of happiness is going to take at least a fortnight to get out of our system <laughs> exactly. and return to the proper grumpiness that you expect. I think we should apologise to listeners for the kind of the, the sheer euphoria that's um, they've been subjected to. But I'm sure that but in a couple of weeks' time we'll be back um, with our, our usual more downbeat um, view of the, view of the world. But in the meantime. Do give us a give us a like, give us a share. You know, let people know that we're doing this this daft thing. And as I say, the the normal grumpy service will be resumed as soon as possible. Yeah, speak to you in a couple of weeks. Bye, Marco.